Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and this is the Judicial Power Hour. Brought to you by PowerPolitics.com, and this is just basically a wrap session uh, between myself and Zeke, kind of how we do this process, how we've learned what it is that we know. Let's see. Hello. Hello. There you are. Let me mm-hmm. Start the call. Let me see what's going on here. Thought we started. I think we did start. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just kind of like an insider peek into how we have used this process over over many years now on uh, daily phone calls. Just talking about separate issues with relationship to what we're trying to accomplish in courts and on our different uh, cases and how that we go about doing it. And uh, we've just decided to just go ahead and just kind of record this call and uh, let people kind of be a fly on the wall and sit and listen to what, what it is we do and how we do it. And before I started the call, we were uh, talking about, we were talking about declaratory relief and we were talking about, uh, how that's incorporated into our writ and uh, the, the the process and what it means, a little bit about what it means, since most people probably don't know what declaratory relief is or or uh, the writ itself even, the cause of action, and how that all that's been combined and, and then kind of got into a little bit about the straw man and presumption. So, so what I was saying, Zeke, about that, uh, about that, issue with the declaratory relief being really the, the thing that that uh, has to carry kind of the load for the rest of the cause of action to give us a remedy. And, and we were discussing about how that uh, we've gone through it and, and uh, looked at all the elements of declaratory relief and, and the fact that it uh, is incorporated into it and it really is doing you know, a lot of the heavy lifting for how this thing gets prosecuted. Yeah. So we have to understand that the the, uh, declaratory relief is a cause of action in a civil court. So you could just come uh, off the street and uh, say you have an incident, and you could go to the court and have them declare the rights and duties of the parties that were in that incident. So that right. if you're with a cop, he has a duty when he stops you, regardless. And and when he stops you, you have rights. Okay? And and uh, no one knows right. what those rights are, and no one knows what those duties are. 
except everyone knows what those rights are. They're written down, and those duties are written down. Right. And that's so you can take that to the court and ask the court to determine what those rights and duties are, and so you get a declaratory relief, which is a declaration of your rights and what their duties are. Okay, now when we bring it through the writ, we're bringing it as a an appeal of an action that that officer took. See, the, the, the police officer, if he takes action, he gives us a action, like a right, ticket right. Is, is in the nature of a complaint. It's, it's, it's a cause of action itself in the court. So he brings that, and then we could either go to another the civil court and ask for declaratory relief about that stop, because he's taken us into a traffic court about that stop. So what we're doing is when we, uh, we're like appealing his stop right. in the nature of an appeal, and then we bring our cause of action from through the appeal, we go into the uh, civil court instead of going directly to the civil court. And that has a number, that procedure, I think, is the key to our understanding and to the getting the remedy because we're going into the civil court through the appellate court. We're not going just directly to the civil court. Right, and right. That's well, why we, so. Yeah, and, and in our action, like in, in the specific example of arrest without, without a warrant, the, uh, the, the, the action is, is underlying and is criminal. Right, there was an allegation of a criminal complaint by the officer. The officer then uh, didn't obtain the warrant, and uh, no case got started in that case. They, they, uh, the district attorney declined to uh, bring a case against, uh, mm-hmm. against the arrested person. So really right there, you, know, you have no appeal for that action. There, you can't appeal. There's no case. So... Uh, so that's where the declaratory relief comes in in that case and why you have to have the writ because the writ is the only way to make that, that uh, officer who is actually the agency that did the arrest show up in court and answer for what they did. And, and that's exactly what the writ is for. It's to right. get an, an, uh, an order through the judicial power of the court to order that agency to come and answer. Why did they arrest you? In violation of the uh, of the Constitution, because you can't be arrested without a warrant, and they did it. So now they yes. got to come and show cause why they did that. That's right, and I want to point out that when 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 we look at this situation, okay, it's all about what the cop's doing and what his duty is. This doesn't have anything to do with who I am, whether right. I'm you know Michael Jordan or I'm a guy from another country. Or I'm I'm a guy that has status here, and I'm a I'm a king, or I'm a pauper. See, regardless of my uh, standing or status, regardless of my status, I have the same standing. It's about the cop and who what he's doing to me, whether I'm a, a, a big, little, small, uh, the female, male. Uh, race doesn't matter. Nothing matters because it's all about their duty and what they're supposed to do. And it's not about who I am because I'm the other party. Right. Well, I would point out to people too that 
when we're talking about a writ, there's two kinds of writs with the different, uh, uh, which was one, one, as Zeke pointed out in the last uh, talk show, uh, as, as living people, we have rights. Corporations don't have rights. Nevertheless, a corporation also has the ability to bring a cause of action by writ of mandate. However, the rules are different. They don't have rights. They're not there. You know, they can also get some form of declaratory relief uh, declaring the rights and duties of the parties. Nevertheless, it's not about when they're talking about rights in that context, it's not those rights that we have in the Constitution. Those are the rights of us as the people, and uh, that correlates to duty. Now, they're talking about contractual rights, as I understand it, that there's a contract that needs to be somehow determined um, with, right. which needs to be settled. But, yeah. right, it's all legislative. In California, that would be under uh, uh, Section uh, what is it, 1094.5. Yeah. All right. So, but, uh, yeah, administrative remedy. All right. Now, at the administrative remedy, there ha- you you're coming in, but you have to have uh, exhausted your exim your your administrative remedies in order to bring the action. So that means that you can't have left something undone, uh, like notice an opportunity for them to settle or or other means by which that they can do it. So, uh, where we're coming in, we already have. We have the Constitution, which defines both sides of the coin, his duty and my right. And when I, uh, when I claim that he's violated his duty, that means he's also violated my right. I have a right not to be arrested without a warrant. That, right. that, and that, that shall yeah. not be violated. Shall not. And we, yeah. can't, and we yeah. can't go to think that you, ha- that you have that right only because you declared you have that right or you filled out a bunch of papers that said that you have that right, or that somehow there was some uh, contract that you had to get rid of to get that right. Right, yeah, it's not about a driver's license, or it's not, you know, which is not a contract. It's not about a... These, uh, these are know, all presumptions that, that, that people have made, see, these presumptions of law that people uh, make, and they presume that they don't have the standing or status right. to get a, a constitutional right. Right. But well, the, go the back, only way yeah. you get it is by the officer giving it to you. It's all about him giving it to you, and you're entitled to it regardless of your status. That's the yeah. point. Yeah. There's no, as we were arguing a little bit before we started the call, I was okay. saying, well, this is this is about when people are construing straw man issues and straw man arguments about all capital letter names, or that you've got some kind of uh, uh, adhesion contract which could interfere with how they perceive your standing in in the court. Right. Uh, in a legislative court, you you have all those presumptions maybe that are fighting against you in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you come in with the writ at common law. And it is about that you have a right and he has a duty and he violated it and you're saying to the court, you know, all the presumptions are on your side when you make the allegation. It presumes that you do have a right under the Constitution. It presumes that he does have a duty. And that's clearly stated in in the amendments, specifically the fourth if we're talking about arrest, which is most of the time what the issue Mm -hmm. is about, whether it's a traffic ticket or whether it's an actual uh, arrest for uh, for something, say somebody uh, charges you with shoplifting, and mm-hmm. uh, 
and you're arrested without a warrant right there, and they take you to jail. All right. Uh, it's clear. You were arrested. That's now they right. have to come and show cause. Why did they arrest you without a warrant? And it's presumed unreasonable if they, don't, they arrested you without a warrant. Right. That's, that presumption, that's, that's, there's where the presumption flips. Absolutely. So our, our, what, what people have been fighting and what we see is being the everybody's been looking for, uh, you know, where remedies in, in the uh, commercial law about contracts and remedies in, uh, yeah. in the statutory law. Uh, yeah. yeah. Where, you Admiralty, know, the, the military law, those are all uh, civil or statutory. Right. They're all jurisdictions. And the, but the jurisdiction of the people is the, is the Constitution. That's, that's where our right comes in. And that's where the judges have an absolute uh, uh, duty also to, to determine the rights and duties of parties. Now, when we're talking about declaratory relief, and, and, and you mentioned that it was a uh, civil action, uh, that is exactly how the writ got put in when I filed it, was that I came in under uh, a, a common law writ saying that, that I was damaged by unlawful arrest. I got a letter saying that there was no, uh, what did it say? There was insufficient evidence for the district attorney to bring a charge against me. Yeah. So. So there's the you know that that jurisdiction of the uh, the district attorney, as a, you know you can think of him as a separate court. In his court, he determined that there was insufficient evidence to bring a charge. And then right. when I came back five years later and said, "Hey, what's the deal with this?" Uh, they immediately wrote me a letter, said, "Hey, uh, there was insufficient evidence, and that arrest, uh, without them really coming right out and saying it, they're saying it's unreasonable." So now I take that and I take uh, the documentation that I was arrested, the documentation that I was in jail, that they put me in solitary confinement, that they didn't give me a hearing, and all of those facts. That, that, that evidence there, you would think, well, you need to say that in order, to, uh, in order to get your cause of action before the court. But that's not really what does it. It's, it's having the correct elements of the writ, which is uh, two and then some other, uh, other issues, one being that you are beneficially interested. So the documentation I put in shows clearly that my standing as a citizen of California under the Constitution and a citizen of the United States of America under the Constitution shows that I have a right and that he violated that right because he arrested me without a warrant. Those are the allegations in, in the writ itself and, and those are what shows that I'm one person with beneficial interest in, in this cause of action, and two, that I have no other remedy at law. So where I was arrested without a warrant, I don't have an appeal. There is no appeal to that, not that I'm aware of, so, uh, because there's no case to appeal. Right. So how do we get the remedy? Well, this is it. This is, you bring in uh, the writ. Is, the remedy is writ of mandamus. Make the other side show cause why they did what they did. And if they can't come in and bring a proper and a lawful warrant of arrest, and that comes from a judge showing that they had probable cause for that arrest, uh, then that's, what, that's where the court has to determine uh, to issue the alternative writ. 
So, you know, we have two forms of the writ that, so to speak, but uh, you, that you can bring it. One in the peremptory shows that on its face that there's no lawful way that they could get around what your claim is uh, in the writ. Now, a lot of people might think, and we did at first too, that, well, in this situation, uh, the facts clearly show that, that, uh, that it should be peremptory. Nevertheless, we determined that the alternative writ is the proper way. It, the, the, the court can, on its own action, turn it into a peremptory writ if they view the facts and, and the evidence that you presented as being um, irrebuttable. But well, they can never us, be irrebuttable because we have to give the other side the opportunity to rebut it. Right. And so right. it has to be yeah. a, a, an alternative writ. Right. We don't get to say that and bring it in peremptory. Right. Now, well, you, you could. You could. But we don't want to because you have, we have to give due process because we're bringing declaratory relief. Right. And that declaratory relief gives them the opportunity to bring facts upon which the court can declare what's the relief. Yes. Because we're telling them that what the, we say the facts are, but they, the judge can't go by the, just the facts that we say. Right. They have to determine yeah. that they're true, so we ask the other side, is it true? Yeah. Because, and the way we ask them that is say, you've got to prove that we're not true. If you don't prove it's not true, then it's true. So you get yeah. the opportunity. It's yeah. the same when you get a traffic ticket and, and you're, you're, they want you to pay the fine. See, the cop said, you're guilty. Go tell the judge why you don't want to pay the fine. You're or just pay it. Get there. Yep, or pay it. These are your two choices. Yeah, you can sign right here, which says that you're going to take care of this ticket and pay for it. Or you can show up at court within this amount of time and explain to the judge why you shouldn't have to pay that much or why it is that, yep. you're, not, that you're not guilty. Yeah. But, uh, but the, uh, you're always guilty. You're presumed guilty. Yep. And you, you can lower the fine. Right, but you're still guilty. And, or you can have a trial and prove that you're not guilty. Right, and we've done that. We've, we've uh -huh. done that. We've, we've beaten them in a trial uh, more than a few times on, on their issues. And even, but, you know, even in those cases, but, maybe those would be familiar with demur. What I want to point out, yeah, but what I want ahead. to point out is that when you make it not guilty or guilty, you're doing it through the procedure. Because yes. if we go back and look at the facts, 99% of the time, generally speaking, the cop is telling the truth. The truth sure. is you were speeding. The truth is you were doing this and you were doing that. See, we're just, we're not, we're, the demur says, yeah, that's right. I was doing that. But I didn't hurt nobody. I didn't hurt, cause any damage. So there's no reason to pay. Now, that argument there is not going to be heard in the traffic court. That's right. the point. When you give that argument, you're not going to have anything behind it to go anywhere in that court. That's why we learned we'd go through the other court, and then we'll get it there in our declaratory, in our declaratory relief. Right. This is why we say the plaintiff almost always wins. Yes. And the cop, you know, and a lot of people will try to argue, well, the cop isn't the prosecutor. That's true. And that there has to be a prosecutor present in the court in order to prosecute it. Otherwise, who's doing it? Is it the judge? The cop is just a witness. 
All that's, that's true too. Yes, that's but all we true. Got rule, you know, we've got Civil Code uh, Section Four in every in every part of the statute that allows them to do liberal interpretation of the rules. To because that's the a hard injustice. one for most people to grasp, right there, this liberal interpretation. Because yes. that, the, 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 we, that, and the reason it's liberal interpretation is because we're in a statutory jurisdiction. That's, a, a, I want to say, a statutory system. See, what yes. I realized just recently after, you know, a lot of trying to figure this out is that, that there are four systems of law, four separate systems of law, the common law, the statutory law, the civil law, and the equity law. Now we have the four separate jurisdictions, kind of like with the with the, con- the Constitution, separate powers. And so and now these jurisdictions also kind of mix a little bit. And when you get sure. into a civil or a statutory jurisdiction, your fundamental basis is still the common law system. Right. Okay, so you got to kind of learn how they overlap and everything because everything is common law, but the minute you have a civil statutory jurisdiction or you introduce an equity, then that like kind of doesn't get rid of the common law, but it, it covers it, and so then you move into a statutory a civil system where it's statutorily everything is, is step by step by step, where the common law flows over those steps. And so when you start going through these steps with a, a statutory system, you know, you're in there one day and then everything stops and then a week later you reappear and it's, you pick it up as if you were back where you were. That's the way these things start because it's really a, supposed to be a smooth flowing thing. But if you've got a complaint and then you don't get your answer for 30 days, well, other things can come up. Uh, lawyers can put in motions and then right. cause different directions and then there's also availability for oh the lawyer's going on vacation so that right. set off this thing and, and then there's statutory rules that say that you've got to do these procedures within a certain time 10 days right. 15 days 30 days and so you're following those and then you get mixed messed up mixed up where these things don't happen in the common law the common law gets right down to it and solves the problem Okay, and what is the real problem with a ticket? It's not the facts. It's not the facts. Hey, you're doing you're doing ninety. You're doing ninety. The cop said you're doing ninety. Now the 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 fact is they want to, you to pay some money for doing ninety. Okay, well, well, why? And why are we paying the money to these people? And what are they doing with it? See, they, they, no one knows because because the court's private. Everything's private. And the fact that we have to pay isn't that we have to pay. Why would we have to pay? Because they're convincing us that we're in this statutory system or this civil system or this equity system where it's fair because we have a social contract and we say this and we predicted that you did this wrong and we said you did it wrong and so you should pay because we think you did it wrong. Right. Okay, well, that's okay. So what's what can we argue? Oh, well since this common law system is worldwide and it's the system that's, that gives us a remedy. See, we can't get into this common law system if there's another remedy for it. That's what's unique about it. You can't bring up this system 
unless there's no other, all the systems are, have already been exhausted or there's no system available. Right. <clears throat> well, let me, let me read a couple of things here where what we're talking about when we're talking about common law and, and, and I would point out that as I've been doing on our, uh, on the, uh, in the group for the Facebook group at, what is it, the Judicial Power Hour on Facebook group, uh, I look, po- I'm pointing out that uh, there's common law writ of mandamus in every state of the union and yeah. many other countries, in, in England, um, in, in India, in Australia, all the commonwealths all have it. But it says here in our civil code in California, the common law of England, so far as it is not repugnant to or inconsistent with the Constitution of the United States or the Constitution or laws of this state is the rule of decision in all the courts of this state. And that tells us our foundation, which is, uh, and that is that uh, everything that they've statutized has to be in harmony with common law yes. and the Constitution. Now, they come back yeah. and say, again, now they come into the Code of Civil Procedure, also in probate, also in... Uh, in other parts of the um, of the civil codes, uh, it says that the rule of the common law that statutes in derogation thereof are to be strictly construed, which is our uh, strict construction that we're talking about for common law. It says it has no application to this code. The code, meaning this civil code, establishes the law of this state respecting the subjects to which it relates and its provisions and all proceedings under it are to be liberally construed with a view to affect its objects and to promote justice. Well, let me break yes. that down just a little bit. Okay, this was enacted with the Constitution, which was re-enacted in 1872 in California. We had another one in 1849, which was under common law. So <clears throat> where it says here, okay, many people... Yeah. Many people will say, well, okay, when they read this, this is under Code of Civil Procedure, Section 4. In I California. just want to also throw in that this is also in the Penal Code. So you've got Civil and Criminal Code, this, uh, the yes. Rule 4 or Section 4 is there. Right, right, right. Okay. So where it says here, the, the Code establishes the law of this state respecting the subjects to which it relates. All right, now who are those subjects? <clears throat> is it mean subjects subject- like... Uh, math and 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 history you know those are no. subjects yeah i think it's yeah. talking about the subjects these are the agencies these are the those, agents those that are subject to yes all right. we're talking we about have, persons persons thank you there's two kinds of persons there's the there's the the person that's the human and the living, uh, living human and then there's the incorporeal all right, human. There's the ones with the bodies and the ones without the bodies, and the ones without the bodies are called corporations or agencies. Yep. Well, okay. So now we move on down here, and its provisions and all proceedings. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, under it. Well, there's two types of proceedings. There, uh, one of which is a special proceeding. The other one is an action. So okay. uh, these are to be liberally construed with a view to affect its objects and to promote justice. Well, the objects it's affecting is stealing our money, as far as I can tell. 
revenue and raising. And promotes the justice for the state so that the state can t- continue to operate with these with these with the liberal construction against us. Uh, uh, that's well, my interpretation. It doesn't make it right. State, for the individual state also, for, you know, we can each consider ourselves a separate nation or a separate state yeah. from the Constitution, from, from each the 50 states and from the federal government. So we are that too. Right. Okay, so, we, so that's where the justice, we can get the justice of that if we can get the strict construction, but they're not going to do the strict construction in that court. With, I mean, in that jurisdiction, because it's statutory, and you just they just defined it and said they're not going to do that. Right, right. This is okay. okay uh, you know, and so uh, I'll give people a good example here, if I can pull it up really quick, of how they use liberal construction to uh, to affect the ends of and promote justice in this state. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick under. Uh, we have uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people will read things in law or in, in, in court rulings and just take, you know, they take it on its face. That this is what mm-hmm. it says and it says what it means, but I'm yep. sorry, folks, that it's is not strong. what it means. Right. Yeah, it's not. Everything not is general. All right. So uh, one of the things that we went on when we were trying to discover, uh, you know, it took a long, it took a while um, to figure uh-huh. out, okay, exactly who is the party responsible that's important. It's it's in it, it. You cannot get to where you want to go with the with a writ of mandamus unless you have the exact right party. Okay, let me say this: uh, for a long time, we always were on the uh, presumption and assumption that that it, you sued the guy that did it. The party is the guy that actually did it, right? Okay? And so now we are try to be flexible to realize that. The guy that did it is technically an agent of an agency, and the agency is really doing that because he is doing the practices and policies of that agency. So it's as if he is doing the agency's bidding. He's doing nothing personal. Right. Well, And you can see that in the way that the, if you're doing a writ, for example, under an interlocutory appeal, uh, mm-hmm. I did this. I sued, I sued a judge in his own name, in civil court, yeah. and immediately all of the judges in our county recused themselves. So yeah. immediately that put us into another jurisdiction where they have, I, I mean, we're still in the civil jurisdiction. He still had the answer right. uh, to the extent that, uh, that the, he, he ne- excuse me, he never had to answer. He's not, he's not it's personal, That's but right. what, we dis- is, what we discovered is that it's not personal. Okay, you no. can't come against him because again, he's an agency. He that agency in this place yeah, is called Butte County Superior Court. Now, right. the court is the agency. All right. Now, uh, going back to what we were talking about with respect to liberal construction of the statutes under Rule for what we call Rule Four, uh, mm-hmm. is yeah. is stated like this. Okay. Well, I read I read this, and I and we've gone over and over it. Uh, and it says this, in proceedings in misdemeanor and infraction cases, this is under criminal procedure, uh, Penal Code Section 1427A, when a complaint is presented to a judge in a misdemeanor or infraction case appearing to be triable in the judge's court, the judge must, if satisfied therefrom that the offense complained of has been committed, and that there is reasonable ground to believe that the defendant has committed it, 
issue a warrant for the arrest of the defendant. All right. Now, even a 10-year-old can understand what that is saying, despite the fact that they've convoluted it. In effect, as it says, when the judge determines that the defendant has committed the crime alleged in the complaint and that he believes him to be guilty of it, which is our probable cause, then he has to issue a warrant of arrest for the defendant. It's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. Now, when we go back and look at the complaint that we find in the, in, in the court, uh, if you'll look in the file, which we always do, we go get a copy of the file and look at it, you'll find that the only thing in that file is a copy of the complaint and uh, pro- maybe a copy of the, of the offer, plea offer that they've offered, but that's not filed. And, okay. uh, and, and that's about it, generally speaking. So you don't have a copy of any supporting evidence or any supporting statement that's required for the complaint itself, which is mm-hmm. under penalty of perjury that, that uh, you know, these facts are right. true. Well, the, the attorney, the prosecutor can't make that. It has to have, it has to have an affidavit. That's where he's getting his information and belief, right? He has sworn it. He's got information which would cause him to believe that you committed the crime. Well, they don't put the police report in there because that's hearsay. And it's not true. It is true because he swore it to be true. Nevertheless, it's still not, it's not declared. So we, we, when we went in and challenged this and said, okay, well, we don't have anything that would support the complaint, Judge, and you never looked at it and determined that a crime was committed and issued a warrant, which we, we would call the summons along with the complaint. So no one has ever been ordered to answer the complaint. And they come back and say that you can't order the judge to issue the warrant. All right? So, so automatically we know. We don't, the judge is not your guy. Right. Not the guy, because you can't, under liberal construction, in this particular statute, must is not what it seems. What did they say, say, Zeke? They said it was, uh, I I don't have the ruling right for me. The mandatory language. Right. It it appears to be mandatory. Yeah. Yeah, But it's not in this. But also... You know that was the that was the, her uh, response. But I always uh, said or thought that uh, that the complaint is never presented to the judge. That's right. Except at the trial, maybe right at the trial. So the judge does never even get to decide and look at the complaint, and may not even look at the complaint even when there's a trial. That's right. Because why, why look at the complaint? Let's just go. You guys got it all together because, remember, the plaintiff is the court. The plaintiff is going to win because they brought the court. They set it up. They made their statements all there. So how could right. you possibly win? Right. Well, you're guilty. <laughs> you're guilty. So now they, this law, they, this statute that you come up with, it appears like it, but they never do it give it to the judge for the to issue the warrant because that happens sometimes in the back room okay but now well, what yeah. i wanted to okay Go um, ahead. i wanted to uh point out that so we have this uh cop right at doing an, an an action an administrative action writing a ticket and taking us into court and uh we're, we're trying to uh 
tell the judge they didn't they didn't do it right and they didn't get the warrant property and they didn't this and they didn't that. Okay, so we're trying to actually review what the cop did, review the complaint, review what's going on. Now, yes. this is why there's this uh, case that um, in 1941, which is the uh, C.F. Bodenson Manufacturing Company versus the uh, California Elections Commission, I believe. I don't know if it's Elections or Energy Commission. California okay. E Commission. I haven't even looked at that. But, but here's the quote out of it. It says that the proper method of obtaining judicial review of most administrative acts or decisions, you know, the cop, right there, we want to review the cop, is by instituting a proceeding for issuance of a writ of mandamus. So that tells us that if we want to review that, the writ of mandamus is going to be the proper way, not by a motion to dismiss in a court right. to, because they didn't review the complaint. Right. The Again, we've got, to, we've got to get out of that court and come back and have them uh, answer. Show By cause. instituting a proceeding for the issuance of writ of mandate. That's yeah. the fundamentals that we learned. Then now we know what to do. Now that's why we know the writ of mandamus is because we want to obtain judicial review of most administrative acts. And I'll point out that administrative acts are done by by corporations also. So we can right. control the corporations, review corporations and uh, uh, agencies by the issuance of a writ of mandamus. So that tells us basically what we need to do. And once we learn how to perfect how to issue this writ of mandamus, we know we got to do it. Now we learn how then we'll have to start seeing remedies. Right. Well, I would point out to any of those people uh, uh, who are fans of Rod Class and who know Rod's situation and where he went up uh, against uh, North Carolina Police Department several times, and he's saying, well, I got rulings saying that they're not actually public officials or police officers. Okay. Well, uh -huh. they did an administrative action. Let's say they're all corporations. Let's say yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. Well, writ of mandamus is there to control corporations and the agents thereof. So if indeed right. they're doing arrests by, uh, by administrative actions and they're not uh, actually a police department under state law, it doesn't matter. They still right. have to answer the complaint. The answer this, it's, it's a special proceeding. You either have an action or a special proceeding. All uh -huh. of it's a mandamus or by special proceeding, and they come under a right. Now, you don't have a right to have the writ issue, but I would say this, that, that the, the maxim of law, as I understand it, under writs of mandamus is that where the facts are truly stated, the writ must issue. So the courts, while they have what this is called a prerogative writ, it means that it's at the prerogative of the court. Nevertheless, the elements of the writ are what are going to determine the, prerog the prerogative. And I'd like of the to court. point out that the court we're taking it into is the old King's Court in the common law. Yes. Which is different than the uh, administrative. The chancery. Capital yeah. Court. It, it's yeah. not the it's not the court of chancery with the with uh, where it's strictly at. Um, 
uh, help me out here. The uh, was, discretion uh, of the judge. No, no. I was going to say uh, for equity. It's not a strict equity court. Yeah. The action is, okay, this can confuse uh, people. And the, uh, yeah, is at law, but the uh-huh. relief is inequitable. It's equitable so relief. So that's where people kind of like, well, you've got to have equity in order to get there. No, equity <laughs> is, not on, is, not net, is not the action that's on our side. You could say that really the statutory remedies and everything they offer is equitable relief. Uh-huh. That's, that's why right. it's being that's that's the bad equity that you referred to in yes. your uh, in your uh, writing that we talked uh-huh. about yesterday. Yeah. So so there's Rod Class's deal and there's Rod Class's problem, and we've tried uh-huh. to talk to Rod and tell him, hey Rod, you you know you're right there, but you just you you need to shift over to the side here and get him in your court. And, get the judicial uh, power going. Yeah. Right, right. But Rod Rod's got his own thing, and I'm not trying to talk Rod down. I'm just saying that uh, that if he if if people will consider what we're talking about and how that yeah. this action is show cause, all right. Now there's no show cause in the in that equity court. There's no show, show cause in that statutory court. You cannot make them come and answer for their violation of your right. Now most people will say, well, you have to file the Title 42. Section 93 action in the federal court for the violation of your civil rights. Well, I'm not talking about civil rights, although they are civil rights. I know this could be confusing, but I'm saying that all yeah. the rights that we're talking about are in the civil court because we've been we've been irreparably harmed. Okay, so yes, it is a civil right because you have a right to relief. But it's also civil, constitutional right. But it's constitutional, meaning that it's the supreme law. So we're not, yeah. we're, we don't have an, open, an interpretation of the rights and duties here that can be liberally construed. Uh, no person shall be arrested and you shall not be violated. Where shall means shall in the Constitution. It means must. And it can't be liberally interpreted to mean must only sometimes. Yeah. That's the difference. That's where we're using the strict construction and the strict interpretation of the Constitution as it was written and for that purpose, this is the people's remedy. Yeah. Now, regardless of who the other side is, it covers all state actors and all mm-hmm. officers of any yeah. corporation, of any agency, or any creation of the state which mm-hmm. has, been, has been set out to, uh, that could interfere with or violate our rights. Yeah, they like have a, a duty. Yeah, like mm-hmm. a bank. Yeah, many people ask about that too. But I, I don't really want to go into banks right now because that's, yeah. that's something that we're, we're focused right now on the, the uh, you know, people I say have asked me, so, well, wh- what about traffic tickets and how does mm-hmm. it work there? How does it go in our everyday lives where we have problems with them? And uh, to that, I'll say it's exactly the same. Every, yeah. every, every traffic ticket is an arrest. If you read the California codes on, on traffic, it always describes the stop as an arrest. Now, you can deal with that a couple of ways, uh, at least for us. You know, if we're, we're aware of the fact that in the vehicle code itself, it says that you, uh, you have the right to challenge the arrest immediately in front of a magistrate. Now, uh, it's important to understand that magistrate, it can be important to understand, magistrate in California at least means it's either a judge of the Supreme Court or a judge of the appeal court 
for a judge of the superior court. It's not a commissioner. So right. if anybody gets in front of a commissioner, commissioners are not allowed to write uh, arrest warrants or search warrants. So they don't have the judicial authority, the judicial power that we're talking about to right. actually make but, the ruling. But, 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 but whoever does it, they could have a magistrate at the police station, and anybody that can, that can be a magistrate, if, if they take up the challenge of determining if there was probable cause for the arrest. Yes. Yeah, so, so that's any, the real, that's, that's what, the challenge. Well, yeah, so mm-hmm. now in order to affect that, you, people need to know that when you, uh, when you sign that ticket, you're not signing away any, any of your rights or your right to do this because that, this right that we're talking about, the right not to be arrested, is inalienable. Mm-hmm. It can't, unalienable, inalienable, whatever you want to call it, it can't, it, it can't be violated under, strict, under the strict interpretation of the Constitution. So that, if you sign it, and then you, you can go ahead and, you're, you know, like we said, you're already presumed guilty in the, in the uh, court, in the statutory court. So mm-hmm. whatever fight you might put up there, unless, in, in like, you know, a couple of cases we've had where it's very clear by the testimony of the officer that he is lying, yeah. that <laughs> by his own admission on the stand yeah. when we've taken it to trial, uh, that he says, yeah, I lied on the ticket, uh-huh. okay, then you win, all right, when, if, you, if, you're, if you're aware of how to do that at the court at trial. Other right. than that, you're, if you are arrested, you have the right to be taken immediately before a magistrate. And so you have to stand up for that right. That's where you're you become the belligerent claimant of the right. And it might take you five or six hours or however long they want to restrain your liberty in order to get before the magistrate to have him determine this right then and there, which is the rights and duties of the parties that you were arrested without a warrant, you're in custody, you ask the judge, All right, judge, was there probable cause for my arrest without a warrant in this case. Now you're talking about yeah. We're talking about a traffic ticket, right? We're talking about somebody Mm -hmm. that's been arrested on they're on the side of the road and you're not waiving your right to go before a magistrate. In other words, you're demanding it. So take Mm -hmm. me before the magistrate. That's uh, in our code it's four oh three oh two C. That you have a right to be taken before a magistrate. Now you can't be arrested yeah, immediately. You can't be arrested for uh, speeding, and yet you were. So already they have a problem. Now they have another problem because you're asking to be immediately taken before the magistrate, and that guy's got to determine right then and there uh, if, <laughs> how far he's going to take that. And if he yeah, does that thing right on the complaint. Yes, yes, because he has to then put the complaint in. And when you've been arrested, it's not like a regular traffic ticket where in our county, all those tickets are passed through. They pass through the district attorney's office. They never see it. That's why you never get a district attorney. And it goes straight to the judge, and they've determined in their liberal construction that the judge can ask questions of, of you and the witness, <clears throat> which, would, which would bring out the evidence. All right, that's, that's, you know, that's a bunch of uh, – it works perfect for them. Right, saves them a lot the of time. It's the nature of the court. It's the nature of the court. Yes, that, that exactly. 
so we're we're gonna we're going to uh, rebut that that uh, all of that by saying no. I want to go. I want uh, you to take me to the court, uh-huh. and in doing so, you're in custody. And a lot of this hinges on the fact that under the Fourth Amendment, when you're when you're being restrained of your liberty, you have an immediate right to determination. All right, right. and that's what you're bringing on uh, right there. When you get to the judge, that's why you ask about the unlawful arrest without, uh, or uh, the arrest without a warrant and have him determine it based upon the complaint. And that really is where you get your 1427 determination that there was a crime committed yep. and that you committed it and he has to issue the warrant of arrest. That's how we're... That, yep. And so again, we're not talking about the standing or the status of the individual who was arrested. That's right. It has nothing to do with your life. Nothing to do with that, whether you're a straw man or not a straw man, whether you're a capital letter guy, none of that matters. It doesn't, you're, you're this, you're, it's all about them and what they're doing. Because we're already protected by being in the country. You don't have to be a citizen. If you're in this country and you're talking to them, then it's all about what they're doing. Doesn't matter if you're a citizen or non-citizen, a male, right. female, rich, poor, black, white, none of it matters because that's not the issue. And most patriots have been trained to talk about who they are, and it's not about who you are. It's about who they are and what they're doing. Because these cops yeah. and agents that are bound by the agency's rules, which are bound by the Constitution, which are controlled by the writs of mandamus. That's right. very clear. So but we want to focus if, on... Yeah, what if, it's, uh, what if it's a Walmart greeter, uh, what do they call that, security loss prevention guy, you're leaving the store, you got your cart and you got your receipt and you put it in your wallet, and they stop you and say, no, we're going to, you're not leaving the store until you show me your receipt and until you, uh, until you allow us to search your car. Okay, so what's that guy doing right there? He's acting like a cop. He's enforcing statutory Walmart laws, rules, laws. But right. If he's doing it without a warrant, he's doing it without a warrant. That's right. He's doing it in what's presumed unlawful because he he doesn't have any probable cause. They just believe right. that you might, you know, they're not saying you actually did even steal anything, or are they? No. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're saying we're oh. going to search your property and you're not leaving until we do it. Which means now, we know we know you got something in there. Because right. if we didn't know it, then we couldn't stop you. That's right. So, okay, so yeah, we're that's actually, where they're running the risk. Just like the cop stops you on the road, he's already running the risk. Stop without a warrant. There's arrest without a warrant. It's all without a warrant because you need a warrant whether you're a cop or not a cop. Because if right. you're acting like a cop and restraining someone's liberty, as an agent, say, yep. restraining the liberty as an agent, then rid of mandamus applies. What if they're just restraining, if I'm restraining your liberty? Now what? 
You can't you do as that. You can't do on me. No, that's civil. That's civil. That's civil. It's, and I would point yeah. out that we've, you know, we've done writs. I think uh, I'm going to go low ball on how many I've done since June. And I'm going to say I've done 15 okay. different writs. Yeah. I've done it in the civil court directly against a court commissioner judge on a, on a what was it, a ticket from 2012. <laughs> okay. Okay. And I did it again on a writ of mandamus against, and, and uh, this time uh, named the court as, as the respondent, uh-huh. but, but I named him in brackets as the guy. Okay. All right. and, the court, and the court came back and said, and, and my issue there was uh, that, the, uh, and it was wrong, uh, that led us to know that you can't pin it on the judge when you're trying to make the judge do something that you can't make him do. In other words, right. he's not a public official subject to that who has, uh, who has a mandatory duty. Okay, right. so you, it's very important. In fact, it's, it's essential. You will fail with your writ if, you have, if you're trying to impose a, the duty upon somebody who doesn't have one. Correct. And that is one of the elements of the writ. You have to say that the party whom you are asking to show cause is the party that's responsible and has a duty. And that duty must be mandatory and non-discretionary. Now, now that's you, easy to see. Yeah, go ahead. You told me that when you get into that civil, that there, everybody has a civil duty to each other. They do, but that. it's not enforceable as a constitutional okay. right. That's a part of the statute, and it says that everyone has a duty not to do, not to harm the rights of another person uh, okay. under the under the state constitution. Uh, that's uh, Civil Code seventeen eighty four or something like that. And or, no, but anyway, it, you know what? It's so inconsequential now that it's not. I don't actually try and raise it because see, when you have the, when you're talking about a, discre- a duty. It has to be something that's enforceable. In other words, there no. could be a that, that's that's created a damage that you can you can use. So while it's true that everyone has a duty to, uh, and it goes back to what I said yesterday, that uh, love your brother as yourself uh-huh. and do no harm to your brother. Uh, you know that 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 comes back to a biblical principle, which is you know again uh, in a in a in a what would you call it a it's it's stated as uh, um, look. No. Oh, never mind. Let us pass on going through. So, uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto yourself. Yes. Well, that's that's a uh, you know that's a good idea, but right, the Fourth Amendment, the Fourth Amendment is enforceable as right. a duty, and it cause and when you violate that, you have uh, caused irreparable harm. Now, Which now uh, me, actually, when I think about it, see, we may still be able to do the writ on individuals because the Fourth Amendment says that we have the right to be secure. Now, if an individual violates that uh, security without a warrant or a valid warrant, then we may be, get, we may be able to get remedy in the common law court. Well, I'm going to back you up because we went over this before. All right, okay. we're talking about tort. We're ta- that is a tort. All right, and, our, and where's the remedy in the common law for uh, for the cause of action for damages of irreparable harm is in the nature of a tort, and it's right. in the nature of a Title 42, Section 1983 
damage because that individual did damage your your uh, civil rights. But he we'll doesn't have it. a duty. Yeah, doesn't have a duty. So yeah. that's why yeah. he he, uh, he becomes an individual, and it's an individual claim. And that part right there uh, affects. See, there, there's nothing on its face that says he doesn't ha- that he doesn't have a right to cut down that tree that's right on the fence line. So, and those kind of torts, you know, or uh, if he beats you up okay, and, yeah. and, and uh, causes you harm, well, then that's in the criminal statute. They get prosecuted for that. Uh, you could also uh, bring that claim yourself. But just like in the OJ trial, you know, the, he came back and he was sued civilly. So it becomes a civil action. And there's a lower standard for that, right? It's, it's, you don't okay. have to have unanimous uh, yeah, that- understanding. You can you can think of that the judge's declaration for declaratory relief and looking at the rights and duties is unanimous because one there's only one person looking at it and also I point out people that you know when you're talking about appeal courts they have three judges that's yeah. that's a, a tribunal and they and they they have to agree two out uh-huh. of three that what it is well in this case it's so it's so clear cut the law that it just requires the one magistrate. The law is yeah. clear. You don't have to have opinions about it. Uh, it's not open to interpretation in that context. So we covered a lot of stuff there. I know we go very fast, and talk, I talk pretty fast. So uh, let, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about the declaratory relief again, or the damages. How about that? We'll go over the damages. All right. In our, in our, our common law writ that we're doing, we have... Uh, we have the, the, the action, which is a special proceeding in the court. And in that writ, we've, we've, we've come up with our, our, we have specific elements of the writ, which must be stated in order for it to uh, be deemed uh, proper before the court so that the court has enough information to say, yes, this is uh, is requires the other party to come and uh, put, put in an answer uh-huh. to respond. And they can do that either by uh, an answer or a demur and, uh, or both. But where uh, uh, they're not going to be able to do that, they don't have, they don't have grounds. There's, you know, there was, unless they can come back for an arrest without a warrant, again, either whether it's a traffic case or like in my case, it was actual uh, arrest and imprisonment um, five days in the hole, uh, mm-hmm. they uh, they can't answer that. In fact, the the court of the district attorney already said, "Hey, uh, you know what? There was no pro- There was no. There was insufficient evidence." Now, mm-hmm. I, when I asked the attorney, I said, "Is it is insufficient av- evidence tantamount or equal to uh, it, no probable cause?" And she goes, no. "Maybe," and she's absolutely correct. Yeah. She's absolutely correct. But what is not a maybe about it is that they didn't get the warrant. So in our uh, going back to the declaratory relief and damages, we're talking about for where when you outline those elements of declaratory relief, you're you're talking about that the court needs to determine the rights and the duties of the parties, and that there is a. Uh, there's a dis- uh, what help me out with the language there. Uh, the relief. Oh. 
I got it right here. I got it right here. I got the riff. I'll take a look at it. That uh, there's a controversy. There is mm-hmm. a controversy between the parties. And that's what gives the court judicial power. And, yeah, and the jurisdiction to hear it. That's what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Jurisdiction yep. is the controversy. Because you have to have a case or a controversy to get into the court, to the yes. common law court. Oh uh, yeah, it's called in the language that 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 they prepare it, which is the, when we when we were talking about rules and the specifics of how these things are done. There are rules. You have to follow them. If you break the rules or you don't follow them, you could say, well, you're not really giving the other side due process, or the court or the court won't like it because it doesn't clearly state the issue. So with respect to declaratory relief, uh, it's an, an actual and substantial controversy exists as to the legal rights and duties of said parties. And yes. that's where then after that you spell out what those rights and duties are. And mm-hmm. you want to tell, you know, you need to be able to tell them that this person who has a duty, it, that it, uh, at all times they've been able to do it. And you told them to do it, and they won't do it. Mm-hmm. So you need to, yeah. And we're, what we're talking about there is injunctive relief. The declaratory relief is for injunctive relief, to make them stop doing what they're doing unlawfully. So we're getting an injunction. That's what, you know, everybody, it's a restraining right. order. Well, the restriction is the civil uh, nature of the mandate. Yes, yes. But when we're doing the complaint in the writ, it, it is a complaint for injunctive injunctive relief. All right, and, and declaratory relief to declare that the injunction. Yes, that, that we do have the right, and they do have the duty, and therefore they're enjoined from violating that duty and our right. Mm-hmm. Now come in, now come into the court and show cause why you did it. Prove that you shouldn't show be cause why you shouldn't be restrained. Yeah, to prove why you shouldn't be restrained. So uh, at now, when we when we reach that point, okay, we've got the writ. It's properly before the court. Uh, we've stated our allegations. Those allegations are true, presumed true. This is the difference. That's what they do to us. They put in their allegation yes. on a ticket, said we were doing 80 in a 65, yep. and it's presumed true. Presumed true. Yeah. And, and, so you know, we've got and, to give the opportunity to rebut. Well, you could go on with that argument and say, also, as many people do, you have a license. So it's, pre- it's presumed that you're a driver. It's presumed that you're operating in commerce. It's presumed that you're this straw man uh-huh. or that straw man. And, that you're and that's all true. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, we're not arguing that those presumptions are about, about straw men and commercial liability and all mm-hmm. of the things that people have studied. We're not saying yeah. that's not true. That's right. We're saying that it's not true when we raise the issue on at, from our side and make them show cause. It doesn't apply. We're not yes. saying it's no, true. It doesn't, not true. It doesn't apply. Yeah, it, doesn't. it doesn't apply. There you go. It doesn't matter if the moon is round or flat. Right. <laughs> or the earth. Okay. So, uh-huh. yeah, but we're not, we're not going there. For, for the record, no. the, the right. earth is round. Okay, people. So, uh <clears throat> Now, the, the other thing that is tied to that, okay, where you have the declaratory relief, I'll point out that, of, uh, and we were talking about this morning, of all the things in the law, this is the one that says 
The order of the court in determining the rights and the duties of the parties is unappealable. It is a final decision on the issue uh-huh. at law. No one can change it. No one can argue it. It's a done deal. Yep. That's the most powerful thing that uh, you can have on your side. A final judgment. Now, no other judgment that I'm aware of is final. Not a conviction, not any of it. There, you mm-hmm. know, even in the civil cases, there's always an appeal of an appeal, and it's never final judgment. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so so, uh, we, so if, you, if people can uh, get nothing else out of this, get that. When the writ issues and it's in your favor because of the rights and duties being declared according to the Constitution by strict interpretation of the law, mm-hmm. which says yeah. that, that uh, uh, it shall not be violated, that you can be arrested without a warrant, boom, there you go. Now you've got a final judgment. And what is the response to that final judgment? Okay, when they did violate, the right, violate our rights and their duty, we're entitled to the damages sustained. And mm-hmm. how do we determine those damages? Well, they are irreparable. The harm yep. is irreparable. You can't undo the time that I did in jail. You can't undo the, the suffering that I uh, suffered in solitary confinement. No amount of money is going to make it right. Cool. Yes, but there is no other way to compensate you except for money. Mm-hmm. That's why it's irreparable. Okay, you can't, get your, you can't get back the time with your family or any of that. So there must be an amount that has to be figured out. That We puzzled over this for a while and argued about it a lot. That uh, uh, How do we determine what that is? Well, we, just, we, we figured it out in this way. It is, it is what I say it is. Uh-huh. You figure it out and yeah. you give the foundation for your, your uh, laying it out, and then you give it to them. And they have the opportunity to lay it out their way. Yep. Right. And and that issue the, of the damages, okay, they can object to it if they say, "Well, that's outrageous." Okay. Mm-hmm. You're you're you know you were only in jail for five days. How could that be worth uh, half a million dollars? Oh, that's right. I think it should be five million. Miscalculated. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. How do you and determine? I, yeah, uh, we we that can be determined three ways, according to the statute. In that situation, it says that it can be determined either by the judge, by a referee, or by a jury. Uh-huh. Now, uh, since since we're still okay, in, uh, you know, uh, we're still moving forward in the process, and uh, really, that's where we are. Yep. We're. We're moving forward to where we get the writ issued, and then we're going to learn how that works, how the court does it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we're going to sit here and tell you that. To remember that, that you said that you filed 15 writs within one year, where before when we would file lawsuits and we'd sue them, each, each lawsuit took us at least two years to finish up, and then we'd lose. Oh, yeah. we win sometimes. And then when we win, they like, never did go to a lawsuit. Uh, they came and settled. So right. we figured out how to file a, a, a Title 42 action against them to where they knew we, our, 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 we had the truth of the matter there. 
And uh, then the, what really happened was the judge said, well, you know, you got a case here, but if it goes to a trial, you know, you might only win a dollar. So, if they, you know, you're going to have to pay. If you don't win what you're asking for, then you got to pay for the trial. You know, it's civil. Yeah. So you're going to have to pay for the jury. So any any lawyer, when they take the case now or have a case, they have to have probably at the minimum 150 to 200 grand in the bank ready to back up everything. Yeah. Just out of the backup. And so, well, uh, again, yeah. now you need the money and what, what uh, lawyers going to risk their money unless they've got a sure deal because they can, they can have a sure deal by uh, making uh, – well, I lost my train of thought there. Right. Uh, no, no worries. But, we're, you know, the point being that in that court – uh, you don't have a final decision that's unappealable, and then now you're going to determine the damages. All right, the whole case is on that's whether true. or not and you can. You know, you're the one who has to prove everything that you said they did. That's a very different animal than saying, "Okay, come right. and prove, come and prove why you shouldn't pay." That's what the that's judge. The key. Yeah. This is this is why this cause of action, this system of law is so powerful and it is yeah. set up originally in the constitution for us and people just have uh, been misled and 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 misunderstand yeah. how to use the constitution that's what you go with that point that you're making i think is that you're saying that you're the final judgment uh-huh. but also remember you put in 15 of them and every time you lost it wasn't the final judgment but it was and you came back again with something else and something else, and the minute you win it, then that becomes a final judgment, and they can't come back because they've never really right. come. Right. Well, I would point out yeah. too that I, I I'm going to say that I and, and it's when you when you want to determine whether or not or how people are going to look at well, okay, Charlie lost. No, okay, I didn't lose, and I'll tell you why. Every writ that I put in didn't cost me a penny. Yep. Every writ that I put in gave me the next step. Okay, the ones, okay, I have several ruling, several issues that are brought into the court where the court has come back and ruled on my writ. All right? They filed every single one of them. Uh, sometimes they've tried to delay it, but not, you know, I don't believe it's really necessarily the court trying to delay it. Uh, the, the clerks have delayed it, but they said they were busy and that they had people that were out sick, so she couldn't get right to it. Well, okay. you know, you got to take people at their at at uh, at their face value what they're saying. I didn't argue about that. And uh, two weeks later, the writ was filed on the date that I served it. So it didn't matter that there was the two weeks there. And uh, and the court came back and said, uh, you didn't give me enough information to make this decision here. Uh, give me more information. So that's not a no. That's a give me more information. So each time we've done that, either we're looking at the issue, and like when I was suing the judge or when I sued the Franchise Tax Board, I sued the California State Franchise Tax Board director three times. And made her, yeah. and made the attorney general of the state of California, the one of the number three people in that whole that whole corporation or agency, come mm-hmm. and answer within two days after I filed it. She came and answered, right then and there. Yep. So uh, the, these are not losses. This is all just 
groundwork okay. to to separate the uh, the three elements that we have to understand: the service of process, the party that's responsible, and the issue. You have to get all three yep. of those things absolutely correct, and when you have them. Mm-hmm. You should, there's the writ must issue. All right, that's where we're at. That is where we're at. That's the writ that's in front of the court right now is proper. Uh, let, let, let me tell you what happened with that one. All right, so again, we've got an officer, came to my house, arrested me. And then, uh, then they said, well, uh, we're not going to press charges. All right, five years later, I asked the district attorney to, uh, and I'm, I'm, Skipping over a lot of stuff here that, that's not really too important to what I'm trying to say, but that, 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 that we have the officer, we have the agency. I know his name, and I know who he works for, but get this. He no longer works for that agency, mm-hmm. that officer. He works for another agency now, so he's not even there. But I go to the district attorney, and I say, hey, you guys arrested me on this deal five years ago. Uh, what's up? And they gave me that letter within four hours. They said, nope, it was uh, that the district attorney declined to press charges because there was insufficient evidence. Okay. Uh, So I've got a person, and I named him, but it comes back when they uh, um, uh, they file the writ. Okay, I'm this... uh, I've I've done this enough times and brought this cause of action at common law in, in many jurisdictions, including my local county judge. Uh, and, and so now the, all of the clerks are under uh, a rule that when Charlie brings his paperwork, that the presiding judge of the appellate division of that court wants to look over the paperwork. All right? So uh, they do that, and then she looks it over, and then she files it. Now, mm-hmm. I'm going to say that she's doing that because she's working on my side. She's saying, hey, Charlie, I want to make sure, you know, last time you didn't give me enough information. Yep. And so yep. I just want to make sure that you don't get delayed. So here, I'll look it over mm-hmm. and come back tomorrow and pick up your uh, conform copies and the copy of your proof of service. She's working for us. I know people don't think yep. that, but they are. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm saying they are. When you, put, when you tell that judge to put on her common law hat or her common law robe, which is a white robe, not a black one, and uh, look at your paperwork, uh, they're going to do it, and they're going to do it right. So that's what, exactly what's going on. I brought it. I brought it in. There's no fee in California. This doesn't, I found, apply to all the states, but in California, where the underlying action is crim, uh, criminal in nature, it's a criminal action, then when you bring it to that appellate division, then they'll file it there, and then determine what happens with it. Well, because you're bringing the cause of action as a uh, as a criminal underlying complaint, but that you have included a complaint in the cause of action for declaratory relief and a complaint in the cause of action for damages, mm-hmm. now they take that they take that uh, writ and they file it in the civil court. Because it becomes a civil action for mandamus at common law. That is the court that now looks at it and, uh, and sees that, uh, you know, they got a whole team of lawyers over there pouring over it word for word to see 
if there's anything that I didn't get correct, and I'll say yes. this about, you know, that you're, you must have all of the required elements in the writ or it won't issue. It's uh, common law. Yeah. You have to dot your I's and cross your T's. That's correct. It's the strict, see when, the, you know, strict interpretation works, cuts both ways. Yep. That's why we have to be perfect in our paperwork. When I say perfect, I mean we have to perfectly address the issue and the party and the service. That's super uh-huh. important. Now, now I'll tell you this, people. We've spent, uh, you know, uh, he and I have been working on this, this same case that I just told you about for five years. Five years, every day. We've been working to get to this place. We've, I did 38 motions in the court. Mm-hmm. 38 motions on another on the issue of the same arrest but has two charges in two counties on the other case where they declined to do it in this county but sent it to another county and shipped me off kept me in jail for 26 days before they let me out that case is tied to this one we've got the same arrest we've got the same thing they said they had a warrant but then the district attorney here says well we don't really have a probable cause or we don't have the, the sufficient evidence so we're not going to prosecute that um, it gets very it gets very tied up, uh, but the case itself is very simple. I was arrested. There was no warrant. Now let's hear it. What say you, uh, Orville Police mm-hmm. Department? What and the the party who answers this cause of action is actually the real party in interest. Now in every writ, there are three parties. You have the respondent you the petitioner, and the real party in interest. Mm-hmm. Now, in this case, okay, why do we have 15 writs and why are people say, well, you didn't win? Yeah, I won every one because it took that many times to figure out exactly who the real party in interest is at what level in the state. Because you have an attorney general, as Zeke was talking about, that in their statutory scheme under the Judiciary Act, they've created this whole separate system of law, which looks like, regular law or our, our rights that's been turned into basically an usurpation of the power of the legislature and, uh, and somewhat to the, the executive side of the branch to prosecute us under these str- what people call the straw man and presumptions and all of those things. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but in this cause of action, all that falls away. You still have to know, though, who is the real party in interest. And uh, sometimes it's the state and sometimes it's not. So that, that takes uh, discernment, and, and uh, it can be a little tricky to figure out. But in this case, it's our local district attorney for sure. So that who is, is who the other party, that is who is generally going to answer or respond to your cause of action. Yeah, Either one of them can. Yeah, the respondent can answer or demur, and the district attorney also can put in his response. Real party in interest. Or, or is the real he party represents in the people. Yes. Now, in that case, we're talking about the people of, of, uh, of Butte County, Big who are the people of the state. Yeah. And, and our district attorney is under the district attorney of California. The attorney general, yes. The attorney general, excuse me, attorney general. So there you go. You're talking about, oh, well, we got an attorney general. All right, yeah. He's called the attorney general. And yeah, you're talking about, oh, well, that sounds like military law. Nevertheless, 
but I looked at it as attorney in a general nature as opposed to a specific attorney, which would be me. Okay. General and specific. So if right. you aren't specifically exercising your power, then that general guy is going to do it for you. And that's what they've been doing. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the we, the piece, the general. You're, you're, you're an American or you're an individual. Right, or you're a subject, or you're the subject of. We're talking about, yeah. you know, sub- all these words have many definitions. Yes, and yeah. uh, the concepts within that, yeah, the words. That there, yeah, there's the cause, and then there's the because. <laughs> right? Okay? That's what right. they're doing. Because who's the cause of it? When you get a ticket, who is, what is the subject matter? Is it the vehicle code, or is it you? What are we talking about? I think we're talking about you. You're the subject. The subject pulled over after I turned the lights on. And then right. the subject You're... said this. So well, certainly we, we, yeah. Yeah, we went round and round and round about all that stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's uh, in the end... Although, you, you know, people need to remember that we've spent, you, you've spent 35 years doing it. I've been on it for about nine years, and we've been doing it five years straight every day, just yeah. like this, sitting and going over the elements, looking at, um, at how to construct our cause yeah. of action. There are no examples of this, people. It doesn't exist. Nobody's, you know, uh, if there is one, it's because somebody like us sat down, did all this, researched it all, and then wrote it. So, you know, my writ is my writ, and and Zeke and I wrote it together. I write it. He then comes through and takes out all the stuff that shouldn't be in there uh, based on his experience. We argue, we fight, and then we we settle. And then I win. We move on. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> yes, you always win because you're always right about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's not to say. I, no, I, I, and anyway, no. that's how it gets done. You know, uh, yeah. the, the process, and then uh, and then I have someone go serve it, and then I go down and talk to Debbie, and I file it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really it's really that easy. Now, what we've learned too, also, it takes about. Uh, I'll say this for for the cause of action in California, and it's less in other states. Uh, the longest that it should take for any. Uh, issuance of the, of the alternative writ, which is their order to show cause, would be 90 days. At 90 days, they start to really have a problem. The longest it's ever taken me to get a ruling was 60 days, and the least amount of time it ever took me to get a ruling was four hours. And what so, was the, one, the, the next one after the 60 days? Because I think that was a special thing. Uh, was it? I think it was 10 days, maybe. In general, it takes a little. It takes around two weeks. Okay. In general, the, the yeah. average time to do it was uh, in in our county is about two weeks. Uh, they're very busy here. These judges are doing 150 cases a day. They work yeah. two three days a week, and then they have all that paperwork to deal with in between. So they're very busy people. But in the in, for example, in the court here in the appellate division. Uh, last year, two years ago, they did, I think, 26 of these cause of, ac- cause of actions where that's an appeal out of hundreds, thousands okay. of cases. Yeah. yeah. So that tells you how little 
people really know about what we're doing or you know, what to do. I mean, literally, you know, uh, yeah, there's literally only uh, uh, 26, 28 of them in the last couple of years each time. This year, we're at 40. 40, all right? Because I've been filing the heck out of these things. Right. And we had, we had a lawyer who figured out that he could do it, and he started mm-hmm. to put a couple of them in, but interlocutory yeah. under a different cause of action, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, that's not that is not like our writ, really. That's no. still a statutory writ. And uh, for example, in the, in California, you can also put in a writ that is under I think it's section. Uh, it's called a one. It's one fifty one of the forms, and form one fifty, and uh, it has the basic elements of a writ of oh, mandate. Yeah. But it's again, it's statutory. You go in and tell them why. Yeah. Like, yeah. like, for example, yeah. Like in the field. Right? Now, writs of mandamus have many, many different things that you can do with them. For example, let's say you're in your statutory court and you went in and you filed a demur. And the demur is denied. If you mm-hmm. actually ha- should have won that demur, then a writ of mandamus is the proper remedy to order the court to issue the demur. Yes, the demur. Yes. Yeah, to grant it. Thank you. So that's another use of it. You can also, uh, yeah. you know, those are all kind of what they call interlocutory, uh, in-process mm-hmm. writs that will force the court. There's many times when you can make the court do their their duty. Yes. Under the statute. Those, yes, and those, those do, do not give damages. No, they don't, nor are they declaratory relief, for that matter. Exactly. <laughs> yes. It's just it's just based on those facts that you present, uh, like like the guy did with the uh, speedy speedy trial issue, where the judge denied the motion to dismiss. Mm-hmm. All right? They, yeah, we're not going to go to trial till we've had a final judgment on this issue. So they, he took it to the writ. He could he could also have done you know done it by statutory appeal. Uh, right. But 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 the writ he that found from. Yeah, is is uh, is is the more expedient way to do it, and uh, yeah. many times too, you, when you're doing that, you can also, you when you write that writ, you ask for a stay of the underlying yeah. action until the writ has her, has been heard. You do uh, that. Of course, yes, 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 and and uh, so you know, uh, uh, there's also you can do this writ. Uh, either at the Supreme Court on original action, because it has original jurisdiction over writs. You can do it in the appeal court, another court that has original jurisdiction over the writ, or Mm -hmm. you can do it at your superior court, or whatever Mm -hmm. they call that in your state. Um, And generally speaking, they are in the common law and in all law, and and especially in your military law, that when you do challenge some issue within their jurisdiction, that you start at the bottom and work up and don't skip over one of the uh, remedies. That's okay, right. So good. it's like your remedy really is in the superior court all the time because that is where the judicial power has been given by Congress. And if you're going to not go into that, then you go to the next upper court and tell them why you come to them 
first, right? Because they, you should should go to the lower court, even though the upper courts can hear it. You usually go through the steps in the process because that is the way it should be. And these writs are really are in equity in the nature of that they're not a right. These writs are granted by privilege. And you get the privilege if you fill out the form properly, then, they, then they're required to give you the privilege, just like the driver's license. You have the right to get a license. Right. And right. the license is a privilege. I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay, well, so also, the yes. Yeah, well, just touching on that, uh, when we're talking about, you know, a lot of people, they go through, I got a kid that was sending me all his paperwork. He's saying, oh, I did this declare, declaration, and I put my mm-hmm. blood reading thumbprint on it, and I did this, and I declared that. And, yeah. and uh, you know, him. now, I've, yeah, I got all this evidence, and I put it in, and they're not giving me a remedy. Yeah. Rule four, and none of that's evidence, by the way. But also, again, the remedy is it needs to be uh, given because of what the other side did, not about your red ink and your status that you dreamed up and that you're the king. Because if you're the king, you have to go through the process of alleging that someone didn't do their duty here. Because you can't just run around going, hey, I'm the king. Hey, I'm the king. I'm the king. So what? Right. So you're the king. What do you want right. us to do? Right. Yeah. yeah. never told us. <laughs> and in effect, you know, our, our writ is the court order. We tell the court what order yes. we want. That's, a, that's an important part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that you have to you have to present it again according to the rules by which writ of mandamus, which is yeah. an ancient 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 cause of action. It's an ancient special proceeding. It's always been there for the people uh, since what? Uh, uh, really, all the way going all the way back to Moses and before. Well, if, yeah, if you look at it, developed, but the common law developed it through England. It started in 1215 with the Magna Carta, the Great Charter. But really, it was developed by King Norman in the 1700s. Pretty okay. recent. Right. Because right. they used right. the Roman statutory law, and they just took right. the Roman statutory law and added equity to it. And then you, but, and then you, then you got the common law, but it's been there the whole time, yes. It has been there the whole time, but the king uh, developed it and, and, and manifested it through these writs. Well, the okay, common like law this. is unwritten law. Okay, it's unwritten law, so, and it's the law of the right of the citizen. So uh, yes. for those of us who love to read the Bible, here, let's talk about Paul. Paul goes in, and he's getting beat up by all the people in Jerusalem because he, he was being accused of bringing a heathen into the into the uh, temple, and he was being accused of a lot of things. And they were uh, beating him up, and they were going to try to kill him. The Romans come out, and they say, "Well, what you know? What? Who's disturbing the peace here?" They they find him, they grab him up, and uh, they're accusing him of starting the pro- starting the problem. All right, and they're uh-huh. all yelling at him. He tries to talk to him and explain to him, "You, you people need to understand what I'm saying about uh, uh, about." Um, 
about Jesus and his and the Savior, and then they got all mad and again and try and start again. So the, the centurion brings him up, and they strap him down in the whipping post, and they're getting ready to whip him, and uh, that's when Paul pulls out his right, says, I'm a, I'm a Roman citizen. Do, do you have a right to whip a Roman citizen without a trial? Yeah. And the man was very afraid. Yeah. And he begged Paul's forgiveness. He says, well, I w- I'm a Roman citizen, too, and it cost me a hell of a lot of money. And uh, Paul goes, well, I was born a Roman citizen. I was born that way. So, yeah. uh, you know, there's your, that when we're, again, going back to what I was talking about with respect to the cop pulling you over and arresting you. You can parallel yeah. that going all the way back hundreds, thousands of years. This yeah. right has always existed. We have that, rights. They that's have due duties. process. That's a that's due process right. right. And a and duty. We were talking about the the writ, common law writ of mandamus. Well, so we, that, yeah, we have that right to file that because of due process. But that that common law writ really developed in the recent 1700s, where you're saying we have the right of due process way back in, in biblical times. Yes. Right. Right. So right. Well, little, that's the, yeah. They're they're a little different, okay. nevertheless. Uh, it's still there, yeah. Yes, and the process yep. is is the same. Where he's he's and he says, "Well, I I uh, appeal to Rome. Right, there you go. I appeal yeah. to Caesar. All right, I'm going to bring my action before Caesar. We're going to determine the rights and duties of parties here. Yes, and that. All right. So I'm just saying, people can understand. Yes. This yes. is our birthright. We we have had this all along. Uh huh. Yes. All along, due process is a part of it. When, and now let's bring it back to the modern day. The cop pulls you over. He arrests you. He wants to issue you a citation. Uh, okay, well, before we can do that, you need to take me to the magistrate, and let's determine who's right here. You're arresting me without a yes. warrant, and uh-huh. I demand to know whether or not the judge believes that there's probable cause for this arrest. That's, in, that's your in personam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're challenging the jurisdiction of that Court called the cop by a neutral and detached magistrate who looks at the facts and determines the rights of the parties. Yeah. Yep, and 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 it's done and done right then and there. There's no two weeks. There's no none of that. You know, maybe they'll hold you for a day or two, but guess what? If they do that, now okay. you've got a, a cause of action for declaratory relief and damages. It's a fact. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the court has already determined by the dismissal mm-hmm. of the case and your mm-hmm. release that he's guilty. Yes. Now, how are they going to come back title. and answer that? You see how strong that is? That's, mm-hmm. This is what this is the understanding that would come through. It's not, again, that has nothing to do with who you are, other than right. the fact that you are here. Yes. yes. And the Constitution, and the Constitution protects those people in the country. You know, that also came out with Trump when he was saying that these people don't have a right to come into the country, and, uh-huh. uh, and so it was determined. You're correct. They do not have a right to come in. They don't have constitutional rights if they're not in the country. Mm-hmm. Only those people who are here have these rights. But if you are here, you have them. So let's yeah. not let them in. Let's not let these crazy people in who are going to try and destroy our way of life. But if you've already gone through a process that, that's set up to get in, called immigration, and then you become naturalized, then you can come in and out just like anybody that was born here. Right. Well, here's the tricky part. 
Okay, let's say you came and swam across the Pecos, and you're in the country. Okay. Yeah. Anybody on the other side of the Pecos doesn't have the rights that you have because you crossed. You now have them. Look, you could be deported, yeah. but if you've been, if you've been, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. But again, I think that everybody. The only reason that when you get here, uh-huh. is the right, the right that you have when you're here is the rights that everybody has. And except there's rights you don't have. Yeah. And those I rights think, are think. the right to get welfare. Yes, you don't have that. Federal federal funding. Right, you don't have that. I agree. So I overstated and, and, it, you know. I right. And so if you don't if you don't go try to get federal funding, then you're an American by being here. You're naturalized already because you're here, and and if you know your rights, then you have them. And if you know the and you can't, but if you apply to the federal government, which is a different country, then they'll they may deport you, right? And and and, and if they give you any benefits, then you're subject to their their restrictions, right? Yes, yeah, yeah, okay. definitely. Because we got to yeah, remember this way of thinking came about when I got rid of my driver's license and I got rid of everything and I had social security and I did all that, you know, to who I am and how I'm, I'm a this and I'm a that and I'm not subject to this. Then I step back and look at it and go, well, the cops are going to think I'm an illegal alien. <laughs> my skin, if my skin was brown, you know, if I looked like it, then, then there'd be no way I could prove that I was an American. Right. And what's the difference? What's the difference? I, I'm not on any of their funds. I'm not on any of their programs. And I'm just here. So was I born here? Did I just appear right here in California? Yeah. So I didn't yeah, get yeah. naturalized. Right. Yep. Uh, you're, you're, yeah. you're a citizen because you were born here. Well, people talk about the birth certificate, right? Okay, well. You know, but it's not identification, and it can't be used as identification. And your Social Security number and your Social Security card can't be used as identification, or they can't demand it of you, and all these things. Well, then everybody the birth, goes. The birth certificate is the identification. It it is. Yeah, uh, so you, you can't take that. that you need that for the passport and the driver's license. That's right. Well, the passport is identification, but the birth certificate itself, you can't just drive around with your birth certificate. Oh, yeah. not accept, it's not acceptable form of identification. Are you sure? Uh, no, actually not. Because you, when you say who you are, that's identifying yourself. Yeah, well, that's exactly well, that's how my, I do well, it. My yeah. brother does when the guy says, let me see your ID, he gives him a thumbs up and shows him right <laughs> there. That, that is my ID. That's who I am. That's my thumbprint. Right. Well, of course, if you look at the statutes, you'll see that you're entitled to do it that way in California. Your thumbprint okay. is any as good as a, as a good as an ID. So uh-huh. you know, but we don't we don't play that game. No. You know, I I just say, well, okay, you know, like you say, well, uh, if you promise not to use it against me, I'll I'll be happy to give you all that stuff you're asking for. Otherwise, yeah. let's go talk to the magistrate. Exactly. Yeah, no, uh-huh. that's the way. That's the way I do it. That's the way you do it. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't have a I don't have a so-called driver's license either, and I haven't had one for years. 
but I'll tell you this, people. Just for my purposes, for me, it makes sense to have insurance on my car. I do that to protect other people to the extent that I can. Not, you know, not that I'm a bad, not that I'm bad at steering a steering my property or doing any of those things. You know, I, I, it's it's an automobile, it's a motor vehicle, it's a car, it's mine. Period. Uh, the presumption I have is that I bought that car and it belongs to me. I paid for it in full. Okay, we've got an abstract of title and all those arguments that the state has and the, and the idea that, well, if you don't have the certificate of, uh, what do they call it? Uh, yeah, manufacturing certificate of origin. Manufacturer's certificate, yeah, that you don't really own the car, that the, that the state took that and then they uh, uh, yeah. made yeah. A, yeah. a copy of it and then shredded yours so you can never uh-huh. own the car. Well, well uh-huh. come on. I mean, seriously. Uh Nobody's going to say that's not my car. No, you know all those presumptions right. that we're talking about in traffic court that I'm driving. I mean, hell, we can go back and look at all the laws and all the things it says about that. Uh, we did, you know, and we've done all that. You and I have both done it, and and so we know where people are at with it. We're just trying to bring forward the idea that okay, let's say all that's true. Now set it aside, mm-hmm. and you become the prosecutor. And let's talk you about who they are. Yes. Yeah. And what they're yeah doing. We're not, it's not about me or what I did. Yeah. You can't, you you can't break the law. <laughs> yeah. You can't break the law to say I broke the law. I'm going to prosecute you for that. There you go. And that's right. what we started out with. People start that out. Hey, wait, you can't do that. I'm going to sue you. But then when you uh-huh. try to figure out how to sue them, you've got to go, go to law school or, or more, really. And that takes all that time, and then now you don't know how to defend or, or stop what's going on on the other side. And now right. you're under the gun, and now you lost the case, and now you've got to learn how to appeal. You When you just spent all your energy trying to figure out how to defend it, and you, did, you just learned all these facts and all these case law, but that didn't defend it. That just told you a bunch of stuff that they can't do. They can't do, but they just did it. And then right. now you've got, you got to learn how to appeal, and you're tired. And I found that that. after you've done this for five or six years, you get tired and stuff, but then all of a sudden, boom, not tired anymore. And now we can go down, and we've gone down every avenue, and we're back, and we're not tired. I mean, we do get a little tired for a day or two, but we're not tired to where, oh, shoot, now we've got to figure out how to No, we're not looking up at this huge, massive jurisprudence. We're up on top of the jurisprudence looking at it and saying, okay, they can come at us or we can come at them. We need to go at them. We need to serve because if you're not serving, you ain't going to get the point. And that's the analogy of the tennis game. So if you're sitting there defending, then you got a problem. You need to get out of that court, walk out of that fence, go to that other court next door, get on the side that serves, and serve and make them defend, then you're in the right court. Then you're in the right court. In all the years I've known you, that's the best uh, sports (laughs) analogy that you've ever done and the most succinct, and I love it. It's perfect. You've got to be serving. Yeah, and and guess what? It's going to be one scorcher coming right down the line. There's no way to return that serve because it's just, it's flaming hot coming down the line. And we don't want to get it. And we don't want to realize realize that when we were defending, we got pretty good to where we could actually sometimes return it. 
and sometimes cause them to double fault. But it was rare, but it can happen. But we sure. don't want to depend on that, and we don't want to waste our time doing that anymore. That's right. Yeah, That's just what you do if you don't know how to do serve. Well, if you don't right. know how to serve, then you better stick your play a defensive something while you're practicing your service. Serve me. Right. Well, people people also should understand. You know, we don't talk about it a lot. But like I said, Zeke's been doing it for 35 years. I've been doing, I think, nine years, almost 10. And uh, and and so if whatever it is that you're doing, or that that mm-hmm. we've done, it's been done. We've done it. We've you yeah. know Zeke Zeke changed his name. He's done all that stuff. Everything you can do, it's been done. Yeah. We tried it, and it's and here's the deal. Uh, it's all true and it's all wrong. That's not yeah. how it's done. This is what we've come to the conclusion. This is not. Uh, this is not theory. We're not operating on a theory about some kind of commercial law or some kind of admiralty law. We're not. This is not a theory. It's worldwide law. It's been around, like I said, since you know, for due yeah. process since biblical times, and it's come through the law, through the law of maxims, and mm-hmm. through uh, uh, facts. These are facts. You, it's a fact. It's written right into the Constitution, the supreme law of the land that you have the right to redress grievances against the government. Well, that includes yeah. all corporations of the government, includes yeah. all, sta- all actors that act yeah. under the corporations of the government. If you want yeah. to say that all of these agencies are corporations, the United yeah. States itself is a corporation, well, yeah. guess what, brother and sister? That means you have a right to redress. Okay? And that you are the beneficially interested party with no other speedy, adequate remedy in the ordinary course of law. So your five-year-old conviction where they didn't have a warrant of arrest, can be you have a cause of action. It's not about a statute of limitations. It's, it's not uh-huh. about a Title 42 after two years, you didn't raise it, now you got, you're stuck. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, you're not. This is what we're trying to say. That, if you don't have a remedy there, well, many, anybody who's studied equity knows that equity requires a remedy. And when, when it's not, and then it has to be created because you've been injured. You're irreparably harmed. Arrested without a warrant, prosecuted, put in jail. And you're entitled to justice. Thank you. Yeah, now that's where the ends of justice are. They're in the yep. strict interpretation of the Constitution, which says what it says and um, means what it means. Now, it only can be done by the judicial power of the court. You, people writing their own court orders and putting their blood thumbprint on it and that stuff is meaningless. It has, you need to be able to in, invoke the power of the court through judicial power. Yep. And that, that comes by your standing, not your status. It comes by your by serving and not defending and making mm-hmm. them answer. So people, we've been we've been rambling on here for a long time. This is uh, just give you a kind of a, a fly on the wall picture of how Zeke and I have uh, come to these conclusions. We do this every day. Uh, we talk about all kinds of subjects. We discuss all kinds of different uh, uh, points of view on the remedy. And, uh, you know, we're, we're right now on our action, maybe a couple of weeks away from getting this ruling and others that are sitting right behind it, uh, even more powerful than the one I'm working on now. 
So uh, anybody that wants to, that wants to kind of get some of Zeke's writings and other ones, including the one that we did yesterday, you can email me at judicialpowerhour at gmail.com. And also I would encourage you to go to Zeke's website at powerpolitics.com and take a look at some of his stuff. Maybe you can uh, purchase some of his, P- his e-books and that will give you a better understanding of how uh, all of this came about and his experiences. And, and uh, we look forward to uh, catching, with you, catching up with you next time. All right, Zeke, all right. thanks a lot. Great. All right. You bet. Cheers, Thank everyone. you. God bless. Great job. Bye-bye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.